sell the seed and make the flowers For a couple of hours On a beautiful day All right, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm Kendall Y. Hey, I'm Jordan Guess. All right. And today we have uh, on the episode F- SBF calling in. <laughs> Man, that, that would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, actually. I don't know if I would even want to talk to that guy, frankly. That no. Guy, I'm going to, we're going to get into it, but I do want to comment on his, on his, his character some and, uh, yeah, so I don't know if, if I would want him on the call. Okay. Dude, I feel like his... Yeah, we'll get to him. We'll get to him. We'll get okay, to him. all right. Obviously, we missed last week. I want to comment on that. That was my call. Uh, there was a lot of things going on. And uh, I didn't want to be in a position where we misspoke. And I'm glad we did because I do feel a lot more confident in my clarity today than I did last week. Um, today actually feels like the first day where... I feel like I have a good understanding of what's going on. Um, So, okay. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you already know that (laughs) shit is blowing up. Shit is hitting the fan. Um, Centralized shit. That's right. That's right. So before we get going, I just want to, I want to sort of lay, lay the, the rules of the land here. Um, I don't want to spend time here speculating. Um, I, I, I'm a, I love to speculate myself and I'm sure that we will speculate to some degree, but this is a situation where there is significant power structures at play and I don't want to, um, make false accusations or lead people in, in the wrong direction. The, uh, the conspiracy theorists are having a field day with all this, understandably so, um, because there is a lot to a lot of questions that need to be answered. So I wanted to lay the groundwork first to, to say that I want to, to avoid, try tr- avoid trying to, to go too deep down the, uh, the conspiracy rabbit hole here. Cool. I feel like that was directed towards me. That was yeah. We 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 didn't uh, we didn't talk before this episode because I wanted to I wanted this all to be authentic and uh, yeah because yeah. Well, you lot- know it's funny on on rabbit hole recap, which I know you're not a listener. Uh, legit, Marty pissed off Matt. Like it was actually really awkward because it happened early in the episode, and Matt essentially was like we're only going to talk about things that have, you know, discernible facts. Oh, wow. And everything else is like, we're not, we're not going down that rabbit hole kind of thing. And um, so, so I'm the Matt and you're the Marty. Well, hold on. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> <laughs> we're both the Matt. We're both the Matt. Okay. Marty. Both, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Marty, uh, dude, Marty, actually, it, it was like really awkward because literally for the hour and a half, it was like Marty apologizing. He probably apologized six, seven, eight times. I mean, it was a lot. And Matt was just like, I don't know if I forgive you. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, I still love you, but like you, um, you just, you've gone too far kind of thing. So yeah, we won't get into that. We will get into what the thing is, is what like, transpired. Yeah. We want to, what we know right now. 
we want things to be constructive. Like we're all on the same team here. We don't yeah. want to be destructive for the sake of being destructive. Sometimes you have to break things down in order to, to, to build them in the correct way. But, but the intention here is to always be constructive. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that Marty or sorry, not Marty. Um, uh, Matt. Who's, Matt, yeah. Okay. Matt, yeah. Matt is a, is a mature individual. I, I, I really appreciate Matt's perspective. Yeah. Okay. All right. So where do you, where do you want to go? Yeah. You, okay. You... So really quick, I want to start off by uh, saying I was at the Lexington Bitcoin meetup on Tuesday night. Um, so down in the bluegrass state, I was down there for that UK Michigan state game, RIP to anybody who's a UK fan. Um, but that was a really great meetup. Got to see, um, got to see some folks that I haven't seen in a little while. And it was just good to just sit around and just kind of chat about where things are and, um, you know, look around and be like, we're not crazy, right? You know, Bitcoin, because, because as we'll get into, I'm sure in this conversation, Bitcoin gets lumped into these things, even though it really doesn't have anything to do with Bitcoin, what happened. Um, so all that to say, if you're stressed out, maybe try going to a meetup. Um, so that was really good. That's awesome. And then the yeah. other. That's great. And then the uh, yeah, the other one I'm trying to go to. I'm still trying to convince Raven. Um, I'm going to try to go to the December sixth Nash Bit Devs meetup down in Nashville, Tennessee. So, just giving a little update on some in in real life. Yeah, I love um, that. If anybody's a listener and uh, and they're going to go to Nash Bit Devs, hit up uh, hit 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 up Jordan on Twitter. Yeah, and then it sounded like so. Um, so there was a guy at the Lexington meetup who was at the Pacific Bitcoin conference. Um, sounded like that was a huge success. Smaller conference, only about uh, 500 to 1,000 people. Um, something in that range is what he said. But um, lots of really good uh, signal is what I is what he essentially said. So, so yeah. So those are kind of like high points, good things that are happening, you know, just getting out there and not spending all day on Twitter, but actually shaking some people's hand in real life and talking about it over beer or whatever. So yeah, those are good things. Yeah. Yeah, There there was a, your comments made me, made me think of, so sailor sailor went on um, CNBC or something like a week ago and he had a line, which like, I was like, Oh, that was, that was a really good line. And he goes, he goes, speaking on behalf of the Bitcoiners, we have a problematic relationship with crypto and we want to, we want to divorce or he said something like that, you know? <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's just pretty good actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So- and, and let's, oh, let's talk really one more thing before we get into the FTX. I want to start out with some good news. You know um, the other good news is that the Bitcoin network is running smoothly. There's been no hiccups in, in terms of that. Um, my understanding is that people, this has been a wake up call for a lot of Bitcoiners um, who had anything on exchanges to go ahead and sweep that off of exchanges and get it into cold storage. I actually um, helped a tax client yesterday in real life sweep his uh, Bitcoin off of Coinbase onto his own uh, cold storage wallet, which I'd never done that. I'd never helped somebody set up a ledger. We set up a ledger wallet together. Um, so, you know, it was a lot of like me explaining him what to do and then walking away, you know, while he sets up his pen and his 24 word seed phrase. Um, so that was also really good. It's like, 
I think there, this is the best thing that's going to come from this. Um, you know, that people are just going to wake up to, I need to get away from exchanges in terms of holding long-term, um, and get into cold storage. And then, you know, the long-term price action, you know, implications of that is that there's less, there's less, um, coins to be purchased and traded on exchanges, pushing, you know, pushing that price up in theory. So all that to say, that's the good news I've got. I know there's a lot of bad news, but that's the good news that kind of came to my mind here at the beginning. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think that, that, um, yeah, a lot of the, it, it, this, this news event really reinforces the reason why most people are here, which is we don't want what just happened to happen. And that's, yeah. that's the pretty much the poster child of what we don't want to happen. Yeah. I want to comment really quickly. So I, I, I think that what we could do here is if you, if you have some like questions on some of the underlying mechanics of what's going on behind the scenes in terms of like, how are they insolvent? Where did the money flow? Blah, blah, blah. I can, I can answer some of those questions if you want, but I do want to spend some time commenting, <clears throat> doing something that I don't really do very frequently just ever in my life, which is commenting on the, the person of Sam Bankman fried SBF. Um, <clears throat> cause I think this is important and I don't like, I, I tend to not do this, but I'm going to do it because I think it's important. Mm -hmm. The, this is a, this is a harsh wake up call that, that really emphasizes the importance of having quality leadership and, um, there we live in a world which is increasingly open-minded and live and let live. And that's a great thing, but we, you, there is value in a person's presentation and how they, who they, how they present themselves. That, that is significant. That is, that is a meaningful characteristic of a human being. And, um, there is no, absolutes here everything is relative um but to put it frankly sam bankman fried's presentation as a human being he my opinion is he belongs in his parents basement i don't think that he has earned the right to basically get out of of that level of, of low um <clears throat> the guy is clearly hopped up on stimulants he 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 he's physically does not look well he is overweight he doesn't even take the time to dress himself here he is in front of congress with his shoes untied and i understand we're all memeing about it it's fun and games but but this is a this is a matter of of important leadership and and that's totally unacceptable um, all of those characteristics matter. And <clears throat> I hope this is me on my, on my public pedestal. <laughs> I hope that people, that, that there will be a cultural, um, change here where people are realize that that is not acceptable in, in terms of leadership. Hmm. Yeah. 
definitely agree. I mean, I mean, I've heard, so I was not very familiar. I mean, I'd heard his name. I'd seen FTX, um, saw the Super Bowl ads, never traded on the platform. Um, and so I wasn't super familiar, but there, the stories that are coming out now, like, did you hear the one story that of like when investors were asking, like they were just trying to dig in before they gave their money to this guy, they were asking some harsh questions about like, Hey, we need to see this document or proof of, you know, this claim, whatever it is. Right. And literally the email that that investor got back said, fuck off. You can fuck off, mm -hmm. which is just one disrespectful yeah <laughs> also like um just the just about the most unprofessional um you know kind of response that you can have and it's just crazy that that is that yes to your point leadership it's it's like gotten all the way up to the leadership level of people in business and i think this i don't think this is specific in crypto by any no, means this is no. across the board exactly um that essentially our leadership has just dissolved into this, I don't know, like, yeah, guy living in their parents' basement who is essentially thinks that he or she is entitled to things, you know, without hard work or without good morals or integrity. And um, so it that is like, yeah, that's an issue that we're going to have to continually um, just battle as a society. And I think to your point, this is a good wake up call of every organization needs to evaluate is the leadership that it has in place right now, the correct people. And mm -hmm. if not, you have to make hard decisions and say, you know, you are gone. You can't lead people. You're not an effective leader. You know, go, go try something else out. So, and until we do that, we're going to keep having these, these massive blowups that affect, you know, multiples and multiples of people um because essentially that's what leadership is leadership is a few people at the top making decisions that affect tons and tons of people right yes right and so it's it's pretty much all of this is just affecting the people who have the least amount of money to lose they are being affected the most um and trust i mean i that's the craziest thing is trust i felt like was already at an all-time low in all these big institutions and just trust continues to plummet. Um, so, so and I want to comment on, um, there's a, there's a thing here with SBF. So one characteristic that I, I try to keep an eye out for, for leaders is their degree of authenticity, right? How true are they to what they're saying? How, how, what, are they trying to hide something from me uh, for nefarious reasons, right? Part of leadership, sadly, is you do have to be careful with what you say, right? But but you there is a genuine authenticity to that. They can they can they can bleed through, where it's so like I can I can listen to a leader and I can realize that they are not saying the things that they're totally thinking but I can be okay with it if I think that they are genuinely authentic behind their, their, their reasoning, right? If they're doing mm -hmm. it for what I think are good cause. When you, when you have a person, a swindler like SBF, you get sort of this sociopathic 
not to be a sort of armchair psychologist here, but you get a sort of sociopathic thing going on where he can, he can talk and he can present himself as if he is being genuine and authentic and he's making, you know, this is the effective altruism charade, right? It's an illusion. It's a mirage where he's, he, he tries to tell you that he's doing things for good reason. Right. And, um, it's something that being able to identify an individual who is like that is very difficult. And so I don't, I don't blame people for not being, being able to identify it, but I highlight it because people should, should keep a sharper eye for it. You know, it's something that has to be learned. I, I actually saw, I mean, I, I'd like to think that I saw it a while back. Um, but, um, it's difficult. So, so I empathize with, well, it's also gotta be said, this guy was propped up and, and in a lot of ways is still being propped up, which is the, to me is the most disgusting part. You know, I think there's a lot of people who, you know, tied themselves to this person, um, at high levels of media, government, regulatory bodies, um and are essentially now trying to say look he's not that bad like i don't know if you've read the the new york times piece on him that came out recently but i think that's that's the other piece of like sure to your point yes very few people were able to see this um but that and those were discerning people you know people who are like skeptical just generally but if you're talking about the vast population most people are kind of like you just read the headline. They don't look too deeply into things. You know, maybe, you know, they just got a lot of things going on, kids, jobs, all those kinds of things. And so they they rely on other institutions to essentially give them the thumbs up or thumbs down about things, right? Just generally. Mm-hmm. And when, when you know, when, a, when an institution like this, the New York Times is saying, oh, this guy, he's not that bad, you know, or he made it, you know, he made a mistake. It's like they're trying to set it. It seems like we're trying to be set up for this gaslighting event of it really wasn't that bad. He's not going to go to jail. You know, we're just going to it's like a one more white collar cl- crime where slap on the wrist, pay a fine and they walk scot free. It's like. I feel like that can't happen in this situation. I mean, the amount of just I mean, I, I know we're seeing oh. the reports coming out right now about the new ceo who came who like overtook you know enron at that time and he he, his quote is complete failure of corporate controls um i mean we're going to learn a lot more here in the next few weeks but that's what i'm scared of is that we're all we're we're getting led up to this you know essentially we're going to let this guy off Mm -hmm. he was crazy he was on drugs he didn't know what he was doing something like that and it's like no this person needs to go to jail for hopefully for the rest of his life. I mean, mm-hmm. with how much destruction he's caused and how flippant he's been like the, the Twitter thread with the what, and then the happened spelled out. It was like, you're making fun of this. You're, you're like, you're not serious at all. And I don't know, maybe you are crazy now, but you weren't, I don't think he was crazy back when he was making all these decisions, you know? Yeah. Again, no. this just goes this just goes back to his character. I mean, we yeah. cannot I 
it's difficult. Like I'm, I have a difficult time articulating this. Like I understand that there, there is an element to like disruption where you're like, you know, like there's the guys in the suits on wall street and mm-hmm. their characters are like a certain way. And there's this guy with the hoodie and whatever. I understand all that, but you, we have to be, <clears throat> we have to be very thoughtful about elevating certain characteristics. Um, yeah, it's not good. Like, I'm just going to read really quick from the mm-hmm. new the new FTX CEO. Um, I have over 40 years of legal and restructuring experience. I've been the chief restructuring officer or chief ex- executive officer in several of the largest corporate failures in history. I've, I have supervised situations involving allegations of criminal activity and malfeasance. Uh, Enron, in quotes, I've supervised situations involving novel financial structures in Ron and residential capital and cross-border asset recovery and maximization. Nearly every situation in which I have been involved has been categorized by defects in, of some sort in internal controls, regulatory compliance, human resources, and systems integrity. Never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. From compromise, from compromised systems, integrity, and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated, and potentially compromised individual individuals, this situation is unprecedented. I mean, that mm-hmm. is crazy. That that's, is that's crazy. Yeah. So this um, is only this is only the beginning. Um yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, character matters. The fact that, and this speaks a lot to also just the VC culture yes, and all the people who threw money at this. That's what I'm saying. Desperate, desperate to get, to make, you know, whatever, two, three, four, five X on their money. They're so desperate to do that, that they're giving this man gobs and gobs of money. And then and then to see how cozy, and again, I don't, you'll have to cut me off where you think this gets conspiratorial, but I think I, I, the biggest worry I have is the cozy relationships he had with regular, with regulators, right? And how mm-hmm. involved he was with government officials, politicians. And the, the scariest thing is that we don't ever find out those pretty much the implications of those relationships and because essentially the people who need to be investigated are the ones who decide what gets investigated if that, mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah that to me that's the scariest thing and then and then that only further fuels the conspiracy theories right because nobody knows what actually happened what inside deals were if any were yeah. created right and so that's the scariest thing to me is that essentially tries to get swept under the rug and then the conspiracy theory is just like I totally agree it it continues to widen the gyre which is that Ben Hunt uh, piece the widening of gyre where he had, he talks about big tech big media and big politics and yeah there you know if there is an obfuscation an intentional obfuscation here from political people then that only further serves to to widen the gyre to sort of like cause more extreme extremism on both ends. 
Um, the, the thing, the headline here with the regulator situation is SBF almost, almost made it. He almost got by and he almost did it by getting the blessings of the SEC. And effectively, if you have the full faith and credit behind with the, with the U S from the U S government behind you, doesn't matter if you're $10 billion insolvent. doesn't matter if there's a $20 billion hole. It's going to get right. plugged. Then you're it's just gonna, a bank. It's going to get just plugged. another bank. It's going to get plugged. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that he almost got to that point. That's the scary part, right? Um, I think it really, really speaks loudly to what crypto is actually, that we were able to stop that. It was because of the public blockchain infrastructure that exists that we could definitively prove this. We could mm-hmm. be like, there is funky things going on right now, and we can prove it. It's because yeah. of the it's because of the digital technologies that we so like he he is effectively a con man, right? He's a confidence artist. He mm-hmm. he came to power by instilling confidence. That yeah. is not the first time that that's happened. In fact, it's happened many times in history. And many times they have made it right and we don't even know we don't know who they are they have got the full faith and credit of the u.s government but we stopped sam bankman freed we stopped this crook and we did it because of the digital technologies okay now of course obviously he was he came to power on the on the back of the, 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 the digital technologies i get that but it but he was stopped because of it as well and i think that that speaks very loudly to what what we're building here yeah yeah let's get into the details a little bit with like where their balance sheet stood i mean i know for bitcoiners the craziest part was the 1.4 billion dollars of bitcoin liabilities with a whopping zero bitcoin asset um and i assume that was potentially after uh, a good bit of bitcoin liquidation that they had to do to try to save themselves since it is the most liquid market um but i guess talk us through uh, that's just paper bitcoin that they were that they were giving out to their to their uh customers correct so yeah so some of the mechanics here this is good so the basically the 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 head the answer here is we don't know like it's still a still a black box mostly so this is speculative, but I'm okay with speculating on these matters because they can be proven in a court of law. Um, so <clears throat> uh, the history is, you know, he started Alameda Research and Alameda Research is a proprietary trading firm, right? It's called a prop shop. And by the way, just as a side note, He's on record multiple, multiple times telling people he he named the company Alameda Research because he didn't want people to think it was a trading firm. He wanted people to think it was like a research firm. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. I get that, but like, come on, people, like, she, like, come on, okay. Uh, so he has this, prop- and then you take one look at Caroline, and then you're like, how do we not see this coming, dude? And Sam Trabuco, I mean. Oh, people this is a great learning great learning experience for everybody involved if the ceo looks like an 11 year old girl don't give them money yeah i mean my gosh and some of the comments that she made 
um, like the, the, the one Twitter thread about her use of amphetamines. I'm like, yeah, I mean, was that not a, was that not a tell? I mean, she's talking about how great amphetamine usage is. I mean, my God. Um, okay. So yeah, so there's Alameda research proprietary trading firm. That was SBF's big first, first baby that came out of Hong Kong in like 2017, I think. Um, FTX got started in 2019, right? And it's an exchange or it was supposed to be an exchange. And of course, those are supposed to be two different things. That's a proprietary trading firm, but FTX is an exchange. Um, you can't legally own a market maker and an exchange. Now, there's a, there's a gentleman by the name of Ken Griffin in the traditional finance world. I'm just going to leave that there. But you can't legally do that because you can you can effectively front run all of the trading activity, right? So you you have insights into who the traders are, what their positions are, what size they have, what size of the, of the trade they're on. You have inside information, and so you can front run all the trades. That's illegal for good for good reason. Mm -hmm. But you know, SBF instilled this confidence in everybody. Oh, these are different entities. We're not. You know, we're not front running trades, blah, 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 blah. Well, they definitely were. And in fact, in this document that just got leaked or not leaked, it got sent to the SEC. Um, I want to read a line from it. It is insane. Um, okay. So management practices included the use of unsecured group email accounts as a root user to access confidential private keys and critically sensitive data to the FDX group companies around the world. So they're saying they had inside access, of course, obviously, which is a no-no. Um, the absence of daily reconciliation of positions on the blockchain. Yeah, that's just basically accounting 101. The use of soft, okay, the use of software to conceal the misuse of customer funds. Basically, they, they were covering up the misuse of customer funds. Here's the big one. The secret exemption of Alameda from certain aspects of FTX.com's auto liquidation protocol. Mm. So literally in the code, they were like, okay, if there's ever an auto liquidation, liquidate everybody except for Alameda. Yeah. I mean, the level of mechanical fraud there is is through the roof i mean that is through the roof you, <laughs> you cannot you cannot do that so okay i'm going to continue here the uh or not not i'm not going to read but i'm going to continue about the, the overall mechanics here i saw a good take earlier and it resonated with me and by the way this guy's name is hasib i've actually just figured out who he is i think he works for jump capital jump capital is one of the I think uh, it's some sort of investing firm in the space. Okay. He, he made the claim that what SBF's strategy was with the... Here's what SBF's strategy was. So in 2017, you had the ICO craze, right? Which was where you had like a bunch of individuals who were personalities, public influencers who came out and they created a token or they created a coin and they dumped it on retail, right? Mm -hmm. that, that was a no-no. You can't, that's obviously not acceptable by the regulators. What SBF saw was, okay, I'm going to create a token, but I'm actually going to be the biggest buyer. I'm going to buy that token. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm not going to dump it on retail. I'm going to buy it, which is a, which is obviously a very different um, political strategy. strategy. That's right. 
Um, and so effectively what I think happened mechanically was that see, and one, so let me say one more thing, actually, if you, if you buy your own token, then you can prove that there's like liquidity in the market and then it's a real thing or whatever, when obviously it's just literal bullshit. It's like, there is no value there, Mm -hmm. Um, but you can, you try to make the claim that it's like an equity value, but that's not really the case because they have an actual equity cap table, which is totally different. So that's not the same thing at all, but they're trying to make their claim that it's an equity. Um, and so then what they can do is they can use that as collateral, right? So they can be like, we want to use this as collateral to take out a loan to get dollars, right? Which obviously dollars are <laughs> like a real financial instrument that like, well, I can <laughs> Jordan's like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, a strong claim. That's a strong claim. <laughs> yeah. I'll let it slide. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, like I think mechanically there's sort of this like big picture movement where he basically ran out of runway. So like he was like throughout the last year or two, he's just been constantly buying more and more of his own tokens basically. And he's, he's basically out of cash to buy tokens. And now his entire balance sheet is his own token. And it's not worth anything because it's not the actual equity value. And nobody yeah. actually wants it except for he was the only one who wanted it, right? <laughs> so that's, yeah. Wow. Man, there's so many things going. I like I think where where the conspiracy theory to me, like kind of like smells i just need answers on this part is how did this company because because i'm saying that it started at least ftx started in 2019 three years ago how does a company start and go from zero to you know i guess at its peak what at least what he was saying is you know somewhere between 36 and 40 billion dollars um in market cap that to me i just it smells like he had to have someone backing him who we don't know about yet who we might never know about but do you get that feel too where it's like companies don't do that they don't go from 0 to 40 billion in 3 years the at speed, least not the normally sp- right the speed of the growth was a headline red flag i'll put it that way now it's not i'm not it's not impossible okay now i'd be curious to see how quickly something like facebook grew right so facebook is one of those companies that is a good example that they grew their valuation group extremely rapidly um now i don't probably not to the degree that ftx grew but we do live in a more digital world today i do think that things can actually move faster um so but generally yes there's there's a lot of angles to this too they did grow too fast but also so like yeah because they were even valued at they were more valuable than coinbase even and coinbase is definitely a more reputable i mean they got real cash flows real institutional clients like they're onshore they're they're regular exactly they're onshore they're publicly traded so they're subject to all that so at one point FTX was like worth more than Coinbase even. And I, I think part of that too is actually just the private equity valuations are so 
have been in the past couple of years have actually been inflated relative to public markets. Um, so there's, so there's an angle there too. So yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I know that this topic has been exhausted, um, in the media and on podcasts and stuff. So, I mean, there's, right. there's, there's plenty to get to. I mean, where, where do you want to go? Yeah. I want to say, cause I'm curious, I'm, I want to talk about like what happens next in the crypto industry a little bit. Yeah. Let's go there. And, in the, in the near term, I see, I have three things on my, on my notes here that, that are worth mentioning. I don't know how much we can, there is to talk about here, but <clears throat> so Silvergate, Silvergate is a, an actual bank. I think it's like a, a literal like FDIC insured to have a Fed master account bank. I don't know for sure. Actually, I'm, I'm sort of speaking without definitive knowledge here, but Silvergate is a real bank. They're a publicly traded company. My understanding is that Silvergate was a banking partner for Sam Bankman fried mm-hmm. and that's going to be a big problem. That's a huge issue. Um, so they're going to be wrapped into this. Um, Genesis. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Genesis. Genesis, I'm actually not super familiar myself with them, to be honest. But my understanding is that they are uh, a lender in the space, actually the largest lender in the space. Um, I think they're owned by DCG, Digital Currency Group, which I'll talk about them in a minute. And um, Genesis actually had exposure to Three Arrows Capital and Voyager from you know six months ago. And people are now speculating that there's also exposure to this. There's Genesis is potentially another problem area. And if Genesis goes down, then they would send very large ripples throughout. I mean, mechanically, that would be potentially larger than FTX going down. I don't know for sure. That's the second thing. The third thing, which I haven't heard anybody talk about, and I'll be curious to, to hear if it comes into the the discourse here is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. So GBTC, it's a publicly traded equity on the New York Stock Exchange, or maybe it's NASDAQ, I forget. And the way it works is it's a trust, which means that they hold Bitcoin and they issue shares, which are claims on the underlying Bitcoin, but there's no redemption mechanism. So it's not like an ETF. An ETF is like a one-for-one paper claim for your, for your Bitcoin. Um, whereas a trust is, there's no, there's no way to withdraw the Bitcoin. And so right now the, the actual Bitcoin in the GBTC trust is trading at a discount to NAV, which means that the actual, like the the effective Bitcoin price for all those Bitcoins is like $9,000. You know, currently the Bitcoin price is like 16,000 or whatever, but since those Bitcoins exist in the trust and they're not redeemable they're discounted, right? Because you can't actually take possession of those Bitcoins, which makes total sense. That that GBTC discount to NAV is probably, um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I want to think more about this and like, I'd be curious to hear what other people have to say, but that's potentially the largest remaining structural issue in this space. Um, and there's basically two ways that this can get solved. The first way is they approve an ETF. If they approve an ETF, then you just it collapses the nav. The paper, the paper claims become as valuable as the underlying Bitcoin. So you get a 
basically you get like a 40% bump right there, which that is already so much money that that's problematic because like, basically if you start to see that discount to nav closed then you know, insiders are moving and people are, people know that it's going to switch to an ETF. My point is, is that it's a massive discount and it's not good. The potential second solution, which is the one I haven't heard a lot of public discourse is they could just dissolve the trust. And the way that would work is to basically say, we're closing up shop. We're taking this, we're dissolving this company altogether. If you own the equity shares in the trust, we will distribute you the, your, your underlying Bitcoin. And so then you would take physical possession of your underlying Bitcoin. That would be a um, operational shit show. They would have to, I don't know how they would mark things to market and how they would even distribute the claims. I mean, my gosh, um, it's all possible. They can do it. But, um, and then one more thing is that they don't have an, a natural incentive to do that because they take a 2%, uh, what do they call it? Like a 2% management fee, management fee. Thank you on their, on their assets under management. So they're, they're not really incentivized to close that down. Right. So those are the three things that I'm keeping an eye out for right now. Be curious to hear if you have any, any thoughts on those three things. Um, I mean, generally, so I guess I'll go back to FTX one more time on just like the paper Bitcoin stuff. And obviously there's not really any way to know exactly how much we've got, um, out there that is paper Bitcoin that's being traded. Um, but to me, that's bullish on the Bitcoin price um, because once all of this, pretty much once all the shit gets out of the system, what we're left with is a lot less Bitcoin up for grabs than what people believe is out there currently. Correct. Which, yeah, which just to me makes, I mean, I look at the 16,000, price and probably i mean in my head i i probably add at least 50 percent of that uh like as the true price once mm -hmm. all of this stuff actually gets sorted out because there's just not there's so much bitcoin out there right now that people think that they own that they do not own um so which is scary um, if you're on an exchange or if you're on one of these like lending things, or you've got it locked up with something to earn yield or as collateral and you don't have visibility into what they're doing with that Bitcoin. Uh, I would be very worried if I were you right now. I'm not trying to like scaremonger, but essentially there's a very high likelihood that it is paper Bitcoin. Well, this and is so, a, yeah, this is the same story with gold, right? I mean, the yeah. true price, the true price of gold is way higher than what it is. And that's because yeah. there's just a tremendous amount of paper claims. It's the same thing with, with the, with the Bitcoin structure right now. The only difference is that gold, there's no on-chain data. Like we don't know really how much gold actually exists, right? Because it's just physical, not tied to anything digital, right? Whereas Bitcoin, we can see exactly how much Bitcoin exists. We can see where it's at sitting in wallets. Um, and we know that the claims out there are, you know, multiples of what is actually out in existence. So as these bank runs continue to happen, you know, at, like I'm looking at it right now, it looks like Genesis has, this is one day ago from Coindesk, um, they've halted customer with 
customer withdrawals. Um, you know, is that is them BlockFi? It looks like even Gemini might be caught up in this now too. Um, you know, if they're halting withdrawals, they're essentially trying to prevent or at least postpone bank runs where they do not have assets to meet their liabilities. And it's a huge, it's a huge issue. And I mean, look, I'm here for it. Even if the price of Bitcoin drops back down to five grand, I don't care. Like on the spot market, because this Bitcoiners, all needs to be flushed out. Bitcoiners are just built different, you know, we're like, we're like, all right, cool. Prices down. We're psychopaths, bro. We are psychopaths. <laughs> Give me the lower price. Laugh at me all you want. Just wait. Just wait until pretty much the whole house of cards of everything that is not Bitcoin, because there's Bitcoin and then there's everything else. Just give it time. The house of cards has to come to an end, um, especially. And I love Pre I was I've been listening to Preston quite a bit this week because he put out an episode and then he was also on Peter's nice. show. Yeah, McCormick's um, yeah, and essentially it's like, look, there's there's the reality is we still only have so much um, net producing assets, right? We only or pretty much there's only so much like production that can happen. Right. Productive of, capacity. Exactly. Yeah. And so he, you know, he was predicting there will come a time who knows when five years, 20 years, whatever it is of countries that are like, Hey, we produce the stuff that you want. And we don't, in exchange, we're not going to take promises that we pretty much can't count on. So you're either going to pay us in our own currency. You're going to pay us in gold. You're going to pay us in Bitcoin. You're going to pay us in something that we can trust and we can verify on our own. And, um, very bullish, very bearish on central banks. And, you know, that's the story that we've been telling for years now. And, um, so to me, this yeah, is so just one more example of like why we need Bitcoin even more. We need actual decentralized money, not DeFi that like tries to say it's decentralized finance while it's, you know, pre-mined and actually very much centralized. Um, and one other thing I'll say, I'll just throw this out there, this little, this little like <laughs> grenade out there. We haven't even <laughs> talked about CZ. We haven't talked about finance. Yeah. I was just and how, that. yeah. I mean, how. I texted a buddy who's a really big Ethereum guy and said, dude, this is terrible for Ethereum. The fact that Binance now, you know, is essentially this conglomerate that owns so much of Ethereum now with their own customer deposits that they can. Ethereum is essentially in my head. Correct me if you think this is wrong. Ethereum is like centralized to the point of no return from like a coin holding standpoint. And then obviously it's already been centralized for a long time for a like leadership and decision-making standpoint with mm -hmm. Vitalik. So, well, maybe my, my answer, my response to that is maybe I want to, uh, I've actually been doing a lot of thinking about Ethereum. So I do want to talk about this, this topic, but we'll save it for, for next week or, or the week after. Cause I do have some, uh, some thoughts that, uh, will challenge your thinking to some extent. Okay. Um, but real quick, I we can we can maybe cut this short even. But I'm I'm uh, curious. I'm looking at the public markets right now. Public markets are kind of flat recently. Mm -hmm. They're actually down today. But um, there was like an in in uh, increase in in liquidity, which I think 
because there was a bunch of money that moved out of the reverse repo or some some banking bullshit this is why we need this is why we need bitcoin um <laughs> but uh but but also the treasury yields are selling off again today so those don't look good overall credit yields i think are not looking good they've actually done okay in the past like month or two um they've in the dixie has actually come down quite a bit mm-hmm. but my suspicion is that's just a, a brief little moment of a uh, of peace before before the storm returns. My question to you is: Do you think, do you think this whole shit show in crypto that's going on right now will influence non crypto finance? Like, will there be contagion or bleed over, confidence problems? What if? Um... What if? What if Chairman Powell comes out and he says, you know what? This F- this SBF guy screwed us all. We're pivoting. We're printing to the moon. <laughs> um, I don't think that's likely. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely think that essentially the trust, if you're looking at a trust curve from like businesses and investors and consumers, the trust curve continues on the downward slope. Um, and so I just think that that continues to cripple markets just generally. So this just adds to that narrative of you can't trust any of these big players, you know, and where does that leave crypto? I don't know. We'll have to just see because what is the ratio of people in the crypto space who are like hardened by this and understand pretty much come to the correct understanding of like, I shouldn't have messed around with shit coins. I shouldn't have messed around with yield and exchanges and all this stuff. I should just be Bitcoin only, hold my own keys. How many of those people do we get versus how many people are like, I'm never touching this again. I'm just going with the CBDC and, um, you know, I'm going to live a <laughs> live a life where I'm surveilled at all times and potentially have my funds frozen at any time. Like that, <laughs> to me, that's like, that's the divide we're about to ha- to try yeah. to see play out right. is who go who um falls into each of those camps because i think it is a binary very soon i don't know if you saw the news yesterday the fact that this hasn't even come up that's how much uh stuff is happening (laughs) the fact that they are um they're saying that they're uh in the starting the testing period of a cbdc with the new york fed um, all the digital dollar big banks doing this wells fargo Mm -hmm. um among others so very convenient timing for them to, to be doing that, you know. Hold on. Let me grab my tinfoil hat. <laughs> Dude, it's just got to be said. Uh, I All I'm going to say about it is I really hope we get investigations into this, like real in-depth um, in- investigations because, um, yeah, someone could look at this and say this is all very convenient um, for digital, for a CBDC to to come to the, to play the savior kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't trust these cryptos. Look at what they did to you, but you can trust us. And also we're going to give you yield. We're going to give you your tax refund um, ASAP. Um, we're going to give you your paycheck 10%, you know, uh, like we're going to give it to you more. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like sure. essentially we're going to give incentives. you additional. They're going to try to incentivize you. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so, but we'll see, like I posted about it last, you know, yesterday and I actually got to read this. This is actually kind of funny. So 
So I posted just about it and I said, enjoy your, enjoy your uh, CBDCs. I saw and, that. Um, yeah. And, and this dude, he, he texted or he messaged me and said, I unironically will. And I love USD. And I messaged him back and said, your enthusiastic compliance will be rewarded handsomely with the highest social credit score. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So, um, so anyways, I think we are headed towards that binary. Um, but in the short term, I think, I mean, I just think that there's still so much underlying, like take crypto completely out of the picture. There's so much underlying like problems in our economy right now between essentially just still too shorted the there's not enough real stuff to go around for all the money that's chasing after it and i still think we're there and we still are in this like caught up in this esg thing where essentially energy the real that's stuff right. is dwindling don't don't forget um <clears throat> don't forget peter Thiel's speech at, at uh bitcoin 2022 where he says when you think he, say? he said when you think <laughs> esg you should think ccp yeah just let that so, just let that resonate in your brain for for the next week yeah so to answer your question i think that no matter what happened with this crypto stuff and no matter what is in you know the, the coming weeks with all the other fallout um i don't know if it's going to be directly correlated i think that the u.s economy was already headed towards a recession and um there's probably nothing we can do to stop it it's just a matter of like how bad is it going to be and this definitely doesn't help this you know this definitely doesn't help it at all so definitely doesn't um, help all right well thanks spf thanks spf uh, the other crazy thing really fast is the elections we just touch on really fast uh okay. the republicans did win the house the democrats did win the senate we do know that much we don't know the exact numbers of each yet um there's still some outstanding uh, but they can at least call that republicans have won two 218 seats giving them like the slimmest of slim majorities in the house mm -hmm. um and then at least right now it sits democrats have 50 seats and republicans have 49 and then there will be a runoff uh for the georgia senate senate seat herschel walker and uh rafael warnock on december 6th so we'll know we should know um pretty much that first week of december is it a mm -hmm. 50 50 or is it 51 49 that doesn't really matter because it even if it's 50 50 they can still um they have that 51 vote with kamala harris but anyways all that to say that and is then, an interesting uh, piece of course uh trump trump made his announcement as well oh yeah here we here we go so yeah so trump is back in um a full eight months early uh from when everyone else will announce but um He's just got to milk it, you know. He's he's there to milk. He's like the Sam Bankman Freed of, of the Republican Party. <laughs> Best of luck to to the guy. Um, it's gonna be very interesting because to see what Republicans do. So um, I am I am looking at the um, the the betting odds right now, which yeah. I I track frequently because I think they're the the best signal. And uh, DeSantis has surged ahead quite considerably. So he's the most he's the the market favorite right now to be 2024 president at 29.1%. Biden is at 17.6% and Trump is at 16.1%. So he, the the market actually prefers Biden over Trump right now. The you know the the betting market not the actual market. Not yeah, like yeah. 
And then Newsom's actually at five point three. He's in he's in fourth place. I love that. I love I love that. Um, he's he's potentially going to be the guy. That'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I bet you would love that. That's that's the world you want to live in. You might move just... out. Of, you might move out of the country if Newsom becomes president. No, I'll never say. I'll never be one of those people like Trump when okay. Trump was. Yeah, I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> I will say this. This is unequivocal. Um, and this is from a person who I've done a little bit of traveling. Unequivocally, the United States is still the best, the best of the best. Um, well, the best of the worst, I should say. Um, so definitely sticking around here. Mm. You're going. Problem down, is going down with the ship. You're. I will. Yeah, yeah. I will. And. You know, we will be, I think we'll be the last one to go down, you know, if that ever came to, but like the problem is it goes back to, we'll, we'll bring it full circle here. The problem is no matter what happens in 2024, whoever gets elected will be a poor leader. We'll be, we'll have all the wrong incentives. We'll essentially not have the, yeah, they won't have the incentive to do right by the people because everything is skewed um, because I would I would argue because the base money is skewed. Um like All right. very very heavily. So there you go. Leadership. Fix, fix the money, fix the world. Yeah. Seriously. So all right, we'll leave it there. There's a lot more. There's so much news. Um, but we yeah. will be back next Thursday. We will be back. About it all. We will we so. will be back. Cool. All righty. See y'all.